Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It's me, Chris Denson, at Densonology um, on social media. I need to do a better job. I need to be like you on my social medias. That's a fire handle. I don't know if you have, you don't need any correction on that. I'm, well, not that I need I, I need to like get it out there. <laughs> uh, I got listeners, but nobody's listening to me. They're listening to the show. <laughs> I don't um, know about that. About the show, if you guys are tuning in for the first time, this show covers all things innovation, ideas, creativity, smart people doing smart things, and wearing dope kicks. Um, I'm here with Pastor Chad Veach. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. Uh, thanks for being here. This is great. Uh, how are you doing today? I feel really, really good. I, I feel like I got good sleep, good coffee this morning. We're ready to go. No, that's all you need. That's good sleep need. and good coffee? Like, yeah, Two things I need like. your energy levels. Right, right. Boom. <laughs> Um, so let's, let's start with a little bit of 101 on, uh, Sir Chad Veach. Um, why don't you, if you don't mind, give me a, an abbreviated bio of yeah. uh, who you are, how you describe yourself to the world. Uh, I'm from Seattle, uh, grew up there. By the way, did you get the video I sent you this morning? No. Oh. What did you send me? Oh man. It was, a, it's, you probably remember this. It was, uh, uh, Seattle. Well, you know. Sir Mix a lot. Yeah, it was a parody that was a Bible version of um, "I like big Bibles that I cannot lie." Oh, this I love one. that. And uh, it was. I didn't get it. Is hilarious. Oh, I need to watch that. That's really good. <laughs> I'm uh, so I'm from I'm from Seattle. Um, moved to LA when I was 18. Went to Bible college down here. Became a youth pastor when I was 19. Um, went back up. After being here six years, went back to Seattle for a while and then came back and started church. So I've only ever lived in Seattle and L.A. And I've been uh, doing this uh, pastoring thing, uh, trying to serve people for almost two decades. Wow. Yeah. Uh, where does the twang come from? You got like this little draw. Yeah, like yeah. Seattle and L.A. doesn't. It doesn't yeah. Make everyone. When, it, when people say, where are you from? And then I say Seattle. They go, what? Like, that, that makes no sense. Yeah. Well, I sixth grade. Uh, is when the Chronic came out, and I just listened to Snoop Dogg nonstop rap music. So I I was really influenced by hip hop rap music, and then w- when I was you know seventeen eighteen wanted to get into preaching. I love listening to preachers. Yeah. So my accent is a combination <laughs> of my two greatest influences, which is black people and preachers. <laughs> All right. So you probably know my dad. Uh, he's black Ooh. and he was no I'm just kidding. He's a ra- he's a black rapping preacher. See, that's uh, what I want to be. I want to be a white rapping preacher. Yeah, you, still, yeah, you don't want yeah, you, trust me, you don't want this these black problems. <laughs> um <laughs> No, that's cool. So, you know, LA is an interesting city. Very. Um and what you've built here is pretty awesome. Um in terms of the type of how you've tapped into the culture. Um, and I think LA is obviously like a, a beacon, I guess, you know, an epicenter sure. of culture in a lot of ways from the creative industries to film and obviously, yeah. um, uh, with, with the work you're doing, what, what is it about LA that, you know, made it home for you and home for your, your business and, and for your following? Well, you know, again, like I was here for six years and the first six years I lived on the East side and, um, I was a youth pastor in East LA. So I, I, didn't, I never came. I, the only thing I did on the West Side was like Santa Monica, you know, so I didn't know West Hollywood. I didn't know Beverly Hills. So it wasn't until I started visiting later in, in life when I grew up that I was like, wow, the epicenter of culture is L.A. And so when I came here, you know, that's why I wanted to do a theater or a club 
because I felt like in order to reach the ecosystem of this this area right now, we're filming that we're taping this in West Hollywood. This area is a certain type of person has a certain type of interest, and I wanted to tap into the culture. And the the culture to me was almost more important than you know the attendance, so to speak. Like, yeah, we want to reach a lot of people, but I really want to tap into L.A. and serve the city. The thing I always think is about churches is that we need all types of churches to reach all types of people. And I know that for us coming in, I have a certain window of relevancy that I want to, while I have this time, reach reach the area, reach the city. Yeah. So um, maybe that won't be there when I'm 50-something or 60-something, but I wanted to do it when I was at this age to try and come in and swing as hard as I could at this at the, at the culture. That's great. Because, um, yeah, I mean, speaking of theaters, uh, El Rey is like yeah. iconic. You yeah. Know? I saw her there. Wow. Um, and uh, and then I, I saw you, <laughs> <laughs> which which is like, you know, you go on Saturday night and then like yeah, on Sunday yeah, yeah. You're there for, for church. You're like, uh, I was doing something different last night. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know. I th- when I think about the culture that you tapped into, I mean, even we joked a little bit about sneakers earlier, but you got the Virgil Abloh's on. Yeah. And it, I hate to use the phrase cool, you yeah, know, yeah, but I, yeah. I do think that there's a um, almost like a generational gap, right? In terms sure. of what people respond to. Sure. Um, what is it about you? And I, and I feel like you're very authentic. Like there's nothing oh, like you. you show up how you show up. And when I bumped sure. you outside of the, the pulpit, it's just like, ah, same dude. Um, you know, what is it? What is that person that you're trying to reach? Because you, you you said you said that very specifically. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if it's a type of person as much as like I really like. I love L.A. Like I love going to Dodger Stadium. I love going to the Staples Center. And when I sit in that, I just look around and go, "This is what I'm trying to reach." Like L.A. You know, I'm not trying to reach. Like if you go to the Equinox on Sunset Boulevard, like. You can have it. I'm not. Tr- I don't want none. I don't want right, no part right. of the hecticness of L.A. I want to reach L.A. L.A. Yeah. Like you know, like Dodger fans and Laker fans, and so. Um. But yeah, I feel like our job is to be an interpreter. Like I see myself as an interpreter. So we are, we have a saying in, in our team that everything about us says everything about us. So from shoes to hoodies to beanies to glasses to rings whatever it is everything about us says everything about us so um i feel like all of it needs to be like calculated a little bit intentional so we can interpret only so that we can interpret a timeless truth so hopefully maybe somebody looks and goes wow i can relate to you yeah you like fashion or you like you know fill in the blank or you listen to music i listen to and that is just a hook or a bait yeah to to sell you a greater product which is truth god yeah you know and, you know we're we're so close to sin city so you know when i see the lines outside of el rey and it just looks like a place you want to be like it, you know it's just it's inviting and and, right. and i think about you know but, uh, joking earlier but my dad was a, a pastor wow and you know that was the oversized blazer what city and detroit Wow. Yeah, yeah, Detroit born and raised. Um, and uh, you know, but that was like the oversized blue blazer with the gold <laughs> buttons and the, the whole the khaki thing. pants, which you still see in a yeah. lot of pockets of America, including yeah. LA, right? Yeah, so, of course. Um, you know, I, I just I, I keep going back to this idea of authenticity. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and how does that resonate 
with the folks that you you know you're able to tap into yeah well like here's the deals like i always think you can't you really can't fake people you really can't whether they're a christian or not like think about this everyone every human is intuitive so they have an intuitive sense like this is real or not and then if they're a christian they're double intuition because now they got discernment so I just think it's hard to fake people. Yeah. And, I, you know, especially in this town where you and I interact with people all the time where it's like you have all the right words, but I don't know, man. Yeah. Some oh, doesn't land. Some doesn't absolutely. add up for me. Um, or as Randy Jackson's used to say, that that's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, the outfit and the words are all smooth and right, but some doesn't land. I don't know. I just I grew up with parents that were very authentic, very genuine, and kind of trained us like, hey, be who you are, everywhere you are, you bring value, be yourself, and people will love that. Yeah. Um, is building how long have you been built a church? It's twenty fifteen. Church is th- th- three years old now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, happy third birthday. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. No. <laughs> yeah, we're three years old. Um, when what is what's the what's the erection date? Uh, uh August twenty third. Yeah. Two right. thousand fifteen is when we started. We'll get you a cupcake or something. Yeah, maybe. No, but you know, building any business, yeah, right, is difficult today, yeah. right? Especially one. It's sort of saturated, sort of has a perception, especially right. in LA. You joked on uh, the other day, like manifest as a, like <laughs> being like such an LA word. And, you know, there's so many different like spiritual practices. Um, but I read a quote that you said, which was Instagram built this church, right? Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, right? Because I, I think the invitation has to be a little bit different and it has to be vast, right? There's Twitter, there's yeah, Instagram, yeah, all of it. you use push pay for, you know, for tithing and offering. Right, and like right, right. you've you really tapped into the um the cultural zeitgeist of be- like behavior. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, when we started, it was before the algorithm hit on Instagram. So now the police the heck out of you and you can't get your thing to go anywhere. But before the algorithm, we were out here killing it <laughs> so our the church following was really really good and really big and um big for our context as a new startup but um so yeah we just i think because of where we are we're able to do new things maybe in the south you couldn't maybe you know somewhere else in america you weren't able to do it but we just were like we're a new church we're going to use instagram we're going to use push pay for our offerings we're going, to, we're going to take advantage of the things that speak the language of the people that are around. Yeah. Rather than, I always grew up in church growing up, I always felt like it was like the world was out here with technology and life and the church was back here. And we came in going like, why Why wouldn't we do what everybody's doing? Right. right. It doesn't make sense to me not to capitalize. That's great. Um, the other thing in that same, in a similar direction, uh, I was thinking about Drake. <laughs> and... Yeah. I, I feel like there's this wave of like emo brand presence, you know, <laughs> and, and Drake just happens to be the, the vision I have in my head for. It. But it's yeah. just like, remember that time we was in drive through and I gave you five dollars? Yeah, it's yeah. like he tells these very personal stories. Right. Um, and you find that uh, like I find it happening in stand up comedy where you see right. somebody like dealing with depression like, yep. on stage, you know. Sure. Um, and there's a vulnerability to you, you and maybe not to that degree. But I think um, like the other day you, you told a story about being in traffic. And yes. you listen to worship music, and then somebody cut you off, and suddenly you became Chad Beach, not Pastor Chad Beach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very quickly. <laughs> um, but 
is that is that by design like the vulnerability that like because no. I, I think a lot of pastors you know yeah. sit up here yeah right yeah. as a, and uh and then when something goes wrong they're caught off guard yeah 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 guard. but what's what's that vulnerability piece well i think um probably one of the most important things is like um when you're preaching answer a question somebody's asking and meet a felt need so it's like i need this i, I maybe people don't can't even identify that but I'm always thinking on Sunday, how can I answer a question maybe you thought about, you know, and and then and then how do I meet a felt need in your life? I can't do either one of those things without being authentic. I can't do either one of those things without breaking down your mental barrier of I'm over here and you're over there. But when I can be vulnerable, we're in the same, you and I just related. Yeah. Because you can go, oh, I do that. Yeah. Oh, I struggle with that. Oh, you feel that way? Okay, well, then now I now I'm really invested or now I'll really listen to you because you relate to my world. If you, if, if I think if the preacher can't relate to your world, you don't understand what I'm going through. Yeah. You don't know my pain. So I'm just trying to let people know like, Hey, I have the same issues. I struggle with the same things. We're all on a faith journey. So just cause I have a mic doesn't make me better or perfect. Right. Um, that's great. And I guess how did that, developing you over time i mean i know you went to you were educated i know yeah. you're, it was part of your family it's part of your wife's family yeah um but sometimes the chronic and you know and the, uh, in church at the l ray right. don't quite add up yeah, yeah so what was what was your own journey to 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 get here well um yeah it is a journey you know i think um i heard someone say it takes six years for somebody to find their own voice chronic was a great album by the way chronic was one of the best <laughs> rap albums of all time absolutely I think it was a revolutionary album Absolutely. in, in hip hop music, to be honest. But I mean, it gave us Snoop, right? Yeah. And look what it did for Dre. But um, I heard this guy, John Maxwell, say it takes someone six years to find their voice. And you're often an echo before you're a megaphone, meaning you're kind of a collect, you're a collection of your influences until you develop your own kind of rhythm and your own authority and your own authenticity. Yeah. So. I think, you know, thank God I had years preaching to young people and preaching to youth. So now when I stand up, I'm not trying to be anybody but me. And so it took a while to to work that out. And I heard someone say a long time ago, people will admire your strengths, but they relate with your weaknesses. Mm. So they might go, wow, you're you're funny or wow, you're, you know, that makes sense. Or you memorize that scripture. They admire your strengths, but they relate with, oh, you you cuss in the freeway too. Yeah, they relate to your weaknesses. So just trying to, you know, do everything I can. It, you know, I always think preaching is like boxing. When I get up there and I start kind of slow, how you feeling, Boma? Just kind of, just <laughs> kind of doing this, dancing around. But at the end of the thing, I'm gonna throw jabs, hooks, lefts, right. I'm gonna throw. And when I walk off the stage, my goal is I beat you. You didn't beat me. Mm. I, 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 the word came through to you and God touched your life. And when I walk, it's, I just see it as boxing. Right. I'm going to throw everything I got, every move and every trick I got only so you can understand the message today. Um, when you say I beat you, you didn't beat me. What is, what, and I know like yeah, it's yeah, an yeah, exaggeration, yeah. but, and I'm, I'm sure it's like any good stand up comic, right? It's, yeah. You crowd, crowd a couple can, of times. Yeah. I've walked off where I'm like, dang, they won. <laughs> the crowd killed me. 
you know, the, the, the 11, I killed him. 1245 was great. Six o'clock. Whoa, whoa. That was a, that was a rough one right there. So yeah, the, I was, the crowd is, has its own personality, has its own, you know, vibe. And you're just trying to throw out stuff to see what lands. Yeah. You know, I listened to, um, what's the guy's name that stars in Breaking Bad? Well, uh, well, I was about to say Walter White, uh, yeah, Brian well, Cranston. Right, right. He, 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 he's got this new one with Kevin Hart, and he was. T- I heard him on the radio talking the other day. He said, uh, "They said, did you ever do comedy?" He said, "Yeah." He goes, "I, I did comedy and tell." He said, "One night I was telling jokes in this club, and he goes, I'm killing, I mastered it.' So I leave and I call. What's the name of the hot place here in L.A.? The oh, Laugh one. Factory. Yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. I'm coming. Get me a mic. Get me a spot. I figured this thing out. Blah, blah, blah. So he drives across L.A., gets this place. Same jokes that just killed. Crickets. And he's like, wait a second. I just murdered this place, and now I'm getting murdered. <laughs> same content, same yeah. delivery. How come? And pre- I was preaching the same. I could do the same message at 915, drive to the valley trying the same stuff, and it's like... <laughs> Okay. Crickets. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean more like boxing. Like you gotta really know your crowd and know your audience and know when to pull it back or when to you know, just yeah, read I, it. Um uh speaking of reading, did you read my book? I need to. Uh, <laughs> I've got a pile of I it's, th- it's not a shameless plug. It's because I it, the my I did stand up for seven years. Yeah. And I, my, the first chapter actually compares innovation to stand up uh, to stand up and so like smart. how you're on this solo journey. You're yeah. out there delivering a message to yeah. people and you're trying to invite them into the journey and whether it's financial support, you know, a marketing whatever partnership, whatever you know, technology development, all those things. Um and you know, the becomes a skill of communication and reading and everything you just said um and i think the same thing happens in business you know and and on that side of things when you are building a church yes you're getting people to the doors but you also have a lot of work to do on the business side um tell us a little bit about that side of you know that was the real learning curve right because i had done youth for so long and been on staff but you know what, what kind of budget do i see what kind of insurance policy am i running what hr is just where i get my vacation approved so the business side was a real learning curve. It was a real, and and still to this day, what I enjoy. Uh, I just got out of a meeting right now. We're talking about our budget. And thank God I have my wife who is very business savvy, and that's her gift. Mm. Um, so details and administration. But I enjoy that part. I enjoy the business side. Um, like all things, church is a business. Yeah. And so you got to run it um, effectively. You got to run it. You know, for if you want to have property down the road, you want to hire more staff, you want to continue to, you know, have capital improvements and so on and so forth. So I enjoy that part of it. There is the Sunday preaching, team leading, volunteer side Mm -hmm. that you got to get good at. But I think any great church has really sharp business people leading it on the forefront. Yeah. And how did you structure your team around yourself? Because, you know, like you said, getting up there every Sunday and you travel a lot and, you know, you are a face, right, uh, um, of this community and, and many around around the country and around the world. Um, you can't be there to run the business right. all the time. So, right. you know, what steps did you take to sort of build the right, especially 
in a religious environment, right? Right. You right. have to hire. The, like you got to be very. I'm I'm extrapolating, yeah. but no, you have yeah. to be very particular. Very. Yeah. You know, I the people we've hired have been, have been people that have been with us really since the beginning. You know, and they have so much sweat equity in the company and so much sacrifice and. A lot of them moved from out of state to come, you know, work side jobs and volunteer like crazy. And so there's that trust factor. And then you just look at uh, the competent. I always look at um, character, competency, capacity, and chemistry are big for when we're hiring. Right. You know, do they add chemistry to our organization? Do they have character that's trustworthy? What kind of capacity do they have? And then also... Um, what is their competence? Are they competent? So yeah, are they praying with one eye open when you when you? That's uh, it, right? Uh, <laughs> that's why, that's kind of like what I need. Looking around the room, you look around the room. Everybody good? But um, yeah, we've hired people that are really sharp and really good. And uh, you know, I was talking this morning to our college. It, I always think great leaders staff their weakness. Mm. So I got to continue to invest into my strengths. But my weakness is I need some people on staff that are crushing. Where I could never fill that gap. Yeah, you know, so you 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 come in and crush this area because this is what you're good at naturally. Yeah, this is your grace. So we've hired some great people that obviously are are, are completely crushing it. That's amazing. Um, so I'm standing there with my daughter, and uh, in one of the services, and she's like, "Oh, it's Justin Bieber." Yeah. Like down because you know I sit in the back. Yeah, so yeah, just, yeah. Just in case something goes down. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, no, it's not. And we got this like a, a silent argument while yeah. you know at church. Um, and so of course it was him, and yeah. you know, um, and you've also got relationships with Chris Pratt and you mm-hmm. know some other um, celebrities. And I was I was thinking this morning in the shower, I was like. I don't remember hearing like Steve Harvey is in church. Like, you know what I mean? Like right, the celebrities right, right, I grew right, up right, with, right. I didn't hear <laughs> about them. Not that I would have expected Steve Harvey in church. Right. With his flat top. Yeah. But uh, his flat top Steve Harvey, not you bald You ever hear Steve the Harvey. Steve Harvey where he introduces Jesus? No. What? YouTube this or Google this. Steve <laughs> Harvey. Intro- it's one of the best videos you'll ever see. I mean, I wish I could get him to come do it at our church. He he introduced like you know how boxers get introduced. Yeah, Steve oh. Harvey does an introduction of G. It's unbelievable. That is hilarious. You got to look it up. The last Steve Harvey video I saw was he was like, "This is how black people get fired. And this is how <laughs> white people get fired." Yeah, and I was like, "Not not your best work, Steve." <laughs> I don't even know how like it just popped up on YouTube. I don't. I wasn't sure, even looking sure. for it. Um, my point being, Chad. Uh, no, <laughs> like how. I don't know what is what is the cult because it, it pops up in tabloids. Yeah, um, Carl Lentz saying you know uh, Rich Wilkinson Jr. Like there's yeah. this kind of like quote unquote cool celebrity ish you know right. tied into that community. Um, what does that do? I'm going to call it the brand. What does it do for the brand of mm. the church? And uh, granted, there's the mission, um, and maybe those two are tied together. Right. Or maybe it's just happenstance. I don't know. But uh, yeah. So what does it do for the brand? You 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 mean like. How does it hurt it and how does it help it? Yeah, because I can imagine some people go like, oh, exactly. That's what that church is. You know what I mean? Because when you because when you when you say that, that's the the first word that comes to mind is the word polarize. Mm. And, um, you know, Jesus, right? Jesus is hanging out with guys that are famous and and they and it's polarizing. And people go, why are you hanging out with them? Mm -hmm. You know, so probably there's some people that's like, man, thank you that you're hanging out with them. And there's other people that are like, why are you hanging out with them? So I just think um, 
celebrities by nature are polarizing in America and even in the world because that's what fame does, right? Fame, when you're famous, some people adore you and some people don't. Right. And that's just polarizing. So I think it's a, it's a it, you know, not that anybody's trying to be that. I think uh, you're polarizing. Anything, anyone that becomes successful, anyone that becomes known is polarizing by nature because mm. you can't win everybody over. So, um, yeah, you know, people come to church that have a following or are recognized or are known. But I think we just, to the best of our ability, our value is we want everyone to have a clear shot at Jesus. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to make a big deal. We're not going to go, hey, you know what? It's great to have in the front row Steve Arvion. <laughs> I grew up to that. In fact, I just <laughs> yeah. took, I took somebody with me to a really big church recently out of town traveling. This person was like, let's take my jet. I was like, okay. So yeah, go, Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. cause my ticket was booked in economy right. on American Airlines. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so we go, and and the pastor this is a big church, so I think he's cool. He gets it. He knows. I'm sure he's been around this. Before I preach, he gets up. You know, it's great to have in the front row and introduces my guests. And I'm just hanging my oh. head like, Bro, I trusted you. Yeah. Like, I brought this person thinking you knew what was good and how we roll. And my guess is just kind of like, is he doing this right now? So then afterward, people from the church are trying to take photos and their security's not stopping. And I'm just like, wow. In L.A., we have created a culture where it's like you wouldn't know unless you kind of like really look for it. Right. But we're never going to parade it or announce it because we pe people should be protected. Yeah. You know, and everyone should have a free, that's everyone. free like, shot. Everyone. Yeah. That's exactly. Everyone should be protected. So I think the more people feel safe, the more that they will come. Yeah. You know. So like Kanye said, next time I'm in church, please, please no, no photos. photos. That's it. Um, uh, uh, the other thing you were kind of touching on this earlier is like that vulnerability that uh, I used to refer to it as a me too moment, but now I can't do that anymore because me too. It'd be like, Oh me, I experienced that too. But now people <laughs> put, a you put a hashtag you, in front you, of you something, do that changes, no more. Complete meaning. changes everything. Um, but you know, I, I think, especially as a parent, I guess, but I think seeing a celebrity in church, especially someone like that. Yeah. Uh, to me, just validates a different thing that, that we see in pop culture, right? right? It, it's you know, we see all the I'll call it destruction porn, right? Like it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, look at he peed in the bucket or whatever, whatever. There's fill in the blank. My my daughter did a um. I just talking to the principal today. She did a uh. She gave a speech, um, on the Kardashians, an argumentative speech. Wow. And it was for them. That's awesome. Right. And and like got an A on it. I was talking to the principal today and she was like, oh, I heard about that. Like was excited about it because it was it was so wow. uh, uh, apparently well done. But, um, you know, I think that democratizes the playing field. Well, you know, having yeah. those people there, especially you've created the safe space. Right. It's like the celebrities are just like us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, I didn't have a question. I just was. No, that's great. Trying to sound smart. You did sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I want to I wish I could have heard that speech. Um, I'll I'll bring her I'll bring her back so you can Please. do it in front of you. I would love staff. to hear it. She'll kill me. <laughs> um, so church merch. Yeah, you changed the game. 
I didn't. Some other boys changed the game, but yes, but yes, yes. Uh, under under your watch. Um, tell us about this because you've, you've done a couple of pop ups. Um, I think the speaking of Kardashians, the, the the guy that did Kylie Jenner's pop up yeah, kind of yeah. put yours together. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about about that. Yeah, and um, we're getting ready to do another one in a couple months. Yeah, I think um, I'm gonna get there early this time because the last time I heard it, well, the, it was all yeah, it, it goes crazy. It it's goes. Like, it, I think it was like one sock lift. Well, I just again like if everybody out there is doing pop ups. Why can't we do a pop up? Mm-hmm. So I just started watching. Like I was around the, the you know the weekend boys and you know, we doing a pop up and then Kylie's doing a pop up and blah blah. And I'm just like, look, we have a couple thousand people that call this mm-hmm. place home, and social media on top of that, we can do a pop up. And by the way, guess what merch is for the church? It's a fundraiser. So growing up, I grew up in church. We did car washes. We did bake sales. We did lock-ins. We did walks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. church merch supplements our income. Church merch brings in a lot of money into the church so we can do capital improvements. So I'm like, wow, this is free marketing because people are wearing your stuff. And they they love. And they don't even realize this, but this is helping us buy a projector. Or this yeah. is helping us buy equipment we we need. So I'm like, this is a no-brainer. We're going to do it and crush it and make stuff that people want to wear. And so these boys, you know, I always think, there's a saying we say all the time, and I'm 100% convinced of this, that the miracle is in the house. It, and that, that saying means I don't need to go outside and look for people to, to help me. Mm. Everything I need is in our church. That's an interesting point I, because – I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of innovators and uh, and I mentor, you know, startups and different programs, but I find that most of us overlook the resources that are right in front of us, myself included. I'm like, oh, we need to look like I'm looking all across this, you know, the city or the country. And I'm like, oh, it was right here the whole time. Listen, the moment I acted, we activate this thing. Um, The guy that does Kylie's, I didn't know he did Kylie's. He came out the woodwork. Jerry Mang, who has a warehouse and would fulfill distribution for 27 artists i mean the biggest of the i mean this guy is both manufacturing and doing distribution for some of the biggest artists in the world he's in our church so there goes there's our shipping the, and, and a lot of our manufacturing a guy named Derek chestnut has his own merch company called la merch he so 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 everything i need yeah is right here then I got a quarterback in, in the office next door to us right now, and it's like in a designer that's in our church. So it's like m- pull the crew together. What are we gonna do? So we create a deck that's like this stuff is heat. Go make it, and the rest is history. And we just kept doing it. And but um, as far as GQ picking it up and fashionista picking it up and all that, all of that comes from incidentally, coincidentally, people with a following wearing it. And it getting picked up, but we were never going for that. Right. It wasn't like, dude, let's let's hope GQ picks it up. It's like, well, I, you know, I, I've I've had this conversation a lot recently about the magic that happens when you're aligned. Yeah, that's it. Right. And I, I think in in I have a you know a fairly business focused audience, but I I don't think you can ignore the magic that happens when you are just aligned. Um. Talk to me about your theory on that. I just gave it to you. But, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Did you have you seen either of the Fire Festival docs yet? I I was just talking about. It. I watched the trailer for the one on Netflix. I watched like, the Netflix next. one last night. Yeah, and I I might start a Hulu account just so I can watch the <laughs> other one. <laughs> Hulu's Hulu's smart, but for this one because they're gonna I think get a lot of accounts because of it. But anyway, like myself. But anyways, shout out to Ja Rule. Yeah, shout out to Ja Rule, uh, <laughs> who went to Hillsong Church for a while. But um, he wasn't every, on the local team, was he? No, I don't think so. Could you imagine? Lord. Yeah, yeah. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on my third book right now. And the third book that I'm working on really has to do with, you ever read that book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People mm-hmm. by Dale Carnegie? It's a mm-hmm. timeless, right? So this book is really dedicated to how do you, how do you be good with people? Like it's So it's three sections. It's how to win with yourself how to win with others, and how to win with the team, the family, or the mm. business, the organization. So those are the three steps of it. So I'm really excited. But with the people part, one of the main focuses of, of one of the chapters we're fleshing out right now is that your alignment determines your assignment. Mm. So, you know, like Jim Collins would say, the book Good to Great, he would say, it doesn't matter where the bus is going. It really doesn't. All that matters is who's on the bus. Because who you align yourself with is everything in life. So I have found myself in places I should not be and knowing people I should not know and all of it I can go back to. It's just because five, six years ago, I was like, I'm hitching my wagon to that. Yeah, That's going to be my guy. I'm going to be committed to that relationship. And the, making those right decisions mm-hmm. has changed the trajectory of my whole life. I didn't get smarter. It's just people. Yeah. So... I think with that is tricky though, because people will sometimes try to align themselves to you so they can use you. Right. And I don't think we can ever do that. I think we've got to align ourselves to people that we're like, I'm supposed to do life with this person. They're supposed to be in my life. I'm supposed to be in their life. And it's mutual. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to be one sided. No relationship can ever flourish. It's just one sided, where one's a taker and the other one's a giver. That will never work. So, relationships weren't designed that way. So, but, but all that to say is like, I just made some decisions 10 years ago, seven years ago, five years ago, three years ago that changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. Um, and I, I think about that, those types of journeys and, you know, the serendipity that happens, like I said, GQ picked it up just because you wanted to raise funds, right? Like it, it's crazy. It's such a leap from like the initial thought. Um, and so I think about like the idea of goals, you know, you walk into most churches in America, there's a building fund, right? Or there's, <laughs> there's something going on that's like a right. five, 10 year goal. But then in the middle of that, there's these opportunistic opportunities, um, you know, from a faith perspective and or from a business perspective, how do you balance out like setting a goal and then being opportunistic mm. while you're on that path? Yeah. Because there's going to be always something like a new thing that pops up. Sure. You're like, oh, we could do that, but is that going to derail or is it going to add to or, Man. you know, or. that's the This is the constant thing that every business deals with, right? You know, so this morning I was in a meeting about our immediate goals versus our long-term goals. And also, um, you know, we're having to make a decision about office space and I signed a, th- here's a great example. I signed a three-year lease. I'm halfway through my lease. Is this office hurting and stunting my growth? And am I so married to my deposit, which I can't get, can't get back? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to forsake and leave that money on the table 
to go to a bigger space with four times the space right. to grow our college and grow our staff and also absorb some of the money I have to use to rent other facilities where I can get that all in one spot. So I think there's always the realities of that of going like, what's our immediate goals versus what's our long-term goals and what's popping up right now that if I, you know, again, spend money on capital improvements, it's going to help us in the long term grow even more. Yeah. So we're always having to make those decisions. I just don't make them alone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like you guys do it. I'll be back. Yeah. Or my, <laughs> no, my wife is so good and our team is so good. And, but I think, yeah, um, we're always looking at, um, I think the obsession for every organization has to be improvement though. Yeah. Like we're not, mm. we're not done. We're not, we're not settling. We, you know, I, I said our our staff, you know, as much as possible, just so they get it in their 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 passion of their heart. That like, hey, w- nothing's personal. We just are obsessed with improvement. Yeah. So every Monday by noon, our whole staff emails in on Basecamp. Excuse me, a SWAT. Have you you know mm-hmm. what SWAT is? Yeah, yeah. strengths, weaknesses. So opportunities and threats. And threats. And so we do a SWAT every week. And where do I land? Strengths. Cool. I was there. I saw it too. Mm-hmm. Opportunities. I know the calendar too. That's cool, but I, I'm camping out on weaknesses and threats because that's all I really care about. Where are we weak? So I'm going to turn that into a strength. Yep. And what's threatening the growth of this organization? Can you that's give what an I'm example about. of either of those two things. Well, yeah, weaknesses. Uh, communication between locations. Weaknesses in the 11 a.m. two weeks in a row. Our video crash. That's a big. That's a big threat to our equity and, our, and the trust of our organization. Um, weaknesses would be um, some staff that's been with us since the beginning, making the jump to be where we're at now mm. and where we're going. Um, weaknesses would be like the men's bathroom on Sunday. Uh, it got untidy and the environments team didn't take care of it. Oh, that was time. Me. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> whoopsies. But you know what I mean? Like, right. the, I'm trying to find that. Yeah. You know, like a weakness. Our, Wednesday at our prayer meeting, it rained so hard that our vests for our parking lot team got drenched. Mm. No one thought to get them dried. So on Sunday, we parked, you know, everybody that came without the vests. Which is like an eyesore to me. Right. So, well, and that, I mean, I guess that leads me to think about like what kind of leader are you? Because in in the organizational sense, because um, like I, I worked in property management yeah. for a while, and we would do the the white glove, like run your fingers along the 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 countertop. If I'm showing this apartment, it better be pristine, like you know what I mean. And right. and because everything is an echo of your brand, right, or, or the the customer experience that's it um down to the bathroom to the vests too so you know what kind of leader is chad beach inside the organization oh gosh i mean i hope i hope to be i think i can i can fall into a micromanager you know because i'm obsessed with the details and maybe i'm a little bit i get a little bit uh, fearful of the brand you know like i can't, like that parking lot deal is a big deal to me mm-hmm. and maybe that's what makes us great but maybe that's what makes us weak that i'm still a in the details of that. <laughs> so I find myself uh, being obsessive with the details of the organization from creativity to operations mm-hmm. to Zoe kids, all of it matters. All of it is tied together. So I hopefully hope, hopefully I'm the type of leader that is just very on top of everything. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. Um, good job. 
<laughs> so uh switching gears a little bit to family uh, yeah. you mentioned your wife you have a you have a bundle of children too Ooh, many there's a whole it's a gaggle what's the what's the scientific number i don't know <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. um uh but you know your georgia your first child yeah. yes um was born with some difficulties yeah or later developed some difficulties shortly after yeah um if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. And because I think it's a great story because I, I, I think any of us would have, I don't know, it would have been an, a, a gigantic challenge. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, And I'm sure it was, but, uh, you know. <clears throat> yeah, well, she was she was born with it. We just didn't discover till she was four months. But, her, for, you know, her brain just never developed. Her brain never, never developed the folds that all of our brains have, which is, you know, how we would process everything, all information, so she can't talk or, you know, control her uh, limbs or walk or... She can't do anything, to yep. be honest. She can't even eat. Her There's nothing in her brain that would tell her how to swallow. Mm. So she gets all of her feeding through a tube. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was a real um, testing. That was a real... It still is um, a moment. But, again, I think... I'm thankful for that process and that experience because it teaches you how to relate with people, teaches you compassion. Uh, it teaches you that, you know, life, we're all kind of one day away from life being very different. So, yeah, you know, she in herself, her own right is a miracle and has defied the doctors. She's way further along than we thought. Still can't walk, still can't talk, still mm. can't, you know, do much of anything, but is happy for the most part and struggles with seizures but sometimes they're on sometimes they're off so she she's she's our own uh special you know blessing that we have we yeah. have this girl that is really never said a word but has taught me so much about life and so we're really thankful we wouldn't wish it on anybody but we we wouldn't trade it for anything in the world what without communication that you're used to that yeah. we're all used to what have you learned about connection Mm. That there you go. That's the word. I connect with that girl all the time, right? She can't say anything, but you know, I come around, say, Georgia, how you doing? And she start kicking her leg, <laughs> lighting up, and saying, you know, some sounds, making sounds, and she's telling you, "Hi, Dad, how you doing? I'm so happy you're home." She can't say that, but she's mm -hmm. we're connecting. So there is that connection with her. It's it's really beautiful. Do you? Because you're the guy like. Every time I see you, there's like a, a wide Cheshire cat grin. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like hey, the dude's still smiling. He's still, <laughs> he's still smiling. Um, do you carry what you've learned from that, you know, from your relationship with Georgia out into the world? Mm, ho hopefully, right. And and so, what do you learn? You yeah, like it's really cool because you know I'll be I was in Hawaii preaching maybe last year. This family that doesn't believe in God and go to church. Keep bragging, why don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine, I'll go. God, I'll if that's where you want me. But um, this family came to church and came to hear me because they know George's story and they don't they don't believe in God. They don't go to church, but they read the book, and so they showed up and they wanted me to meet their their daughter that has the same diagnosis. So it's helped us relate to people and have an audience that I would, you know, like I think Unreasonable Hope, the book the book did like was so big and special needs on Amazon for so long wow. that I never would have had a voice in the special needs community before. So 
it's you know hopefully changed us to the to the better wherever we go we're carrying pain and the relatability of it but the victory like you go through pain and you don't have to it's not about what's happened to you it's about how you recover from yeah. what's happened to you um are all your kids named after states just georgia i got <laughs> i got georgia i got winston i got maverick and i got clivey oh this is very millennial named yeah, uh, bunch, yeah, of, yeah. bunch of kids yeah <laughs> my 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 wife named all of them i can't take credit for any of them it, it, take some credit yeah. um no that's i i, I love that story because i think uh and it, especially because you decided to have more what i was going to ask you is how close to the start of zoe was georgia yeah so she so we um we moved down here when she was three turning three and my son was turning one so and we had to go through tests to make sure this wouldn't happen again. Right. Like we had to go through a bunch of tests to go like, hey, if this if you have another kid, will this take place every time? So we pat it was just a fluke incident, fluke thing. Um, but yeah, when we moved to LA, she was turning three and my son was turning one. Uh speaking of ages, better at seventy. Tell, tell me about that. I got the, I think I got the bracelet on today too. We turned it into a bracelet. Uh so good. I need to get you one of these better. So I got it on my wrist and I got it on my bracelet. It's the same thing that's on here. It was pretty cool. We're in Sweden and um, and uh, Justin had a few shows there. It was before he bowed out of the whole thing and said, I'm done. And so he goes, uh, let's, I, he goes, I forget where we were. He's like, let's get a tattoo artist. Let's get tattoos. We'll all get this better at 70. So we're all hype. There's three, there's three other guys with us. So we're all hyped. Yeah, let's do it. So Justin goes first, gets this big old better at 70 on his leg. And then one boy Judah goes and he gets big old. And then Josh, <laughs> who's kind of his handler. And then I look and I was like, nah, man. I go, hey, Justin, write it real small. I'm going to put mine on my wrist. He goes, it's a great idea. So he writes it. This is, you know, his handwriting right here. And then my boy Judah goes, Judah goes, wait a second. I could have gotten it small like that on my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, dude, I told you that's too big. So he's got this big old on his leg, better 70. I got the little dainty, cute, ain't nobody can see it. <laughs> it's very straight out of Compton font. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't, who knew Justin wrote like that? Um, what what does it mean? So um, all of it really came from uh, my friend Judah. And he we, we started talking about pastors get weird when they're older, like really weird. And maybe like in my age, I'm 39, crushing. Like they're, they they all had their run, mm-hmm. built their buildings, built their churches. Then in their 50s, 60s, they get weird because you lose your relevancy, yeah. lose your influence. And we knew this one guy that we felt like was one of the few that as he aged got better. Mm. So he's 70. Like Patrick Stewart. Right? <laughs> there you go. As 70... The, all of his kids want to be around him. He's secure. He's confident. He still has influence. And we were like, we want to be like that guy. Yeah. So it became a value that's like, hey, let's get better every year. Kinder, sweeter, more genuine. Let's just like with like wine, get better with age. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a reminder, like, hey, we're gonna be better at 70 than we are right now. Yeah. That's I mean, it's a great like beacon to have. Um, what's the, what's, what's the ultimate goal, right? Like 
you want to and, uh, and that couples with another thought I was having like how churches are sort of territorial and not territorial like they're fighting for space but more not like the Bloods and Crips but more like Hillsong's downtown right it, like it, and you have this space and the valley and I think there's when you think about growth you don't want to encroach I would imagine you don't want to encroach on other you know uh, church territories um, it is like the it's, it's like the yeah. it's, it's like the streets. It's like, hey, homie, hey, what, homie. what church you from? Um, but w- what is the growth goal? Oh, sorry, it's a very roundabout way of asking a simple question. Yeah. What, <laughs> what 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 is the what's the growth goal? What's next? Yeah, well, I would love to have them all over the city. You know, I think um, how could you reach a city of millions and millions of people without having locations all over the city? So I want to be in Malibu. I want to be on the east side. I would love to be in Pasadena one day. I'd love to be in South Bay. I'd love to crush a Culver City location. So I think we'll just keep on popping them up all over the place. Yeah. And, of course, out of respect to our friends, I don't want to be, like, next door. You know, that's not <laughs> cool. Right. But, like, one church is one turn and three lights away, four lights away, and they're crushing. And we're L.A. has space for it. Mm-hmm. There's I was just thinking, look, there's more people outside of church than in, so we we got to do as everything we can to reach as many people. So, I don't know. I, I I think you know, of course, out of respect and relationship, you don't want to be too close to people. But I think LA is big enough to where we can go all over the place and still reach a lot of people. What does conversion feel like? Because every Sunday, it's, you know, there's an invitation. Yeah, for people to deepen their faith, and I think and the same thing in business is like. You you're looking for more people to use your product, right? And you have you have a, you have the best product of all, right? Sure, the best. <laughs> but um, but I, th- I think about that, right? It's as you grow and the implications of what that means. And yeah. I think if you make a meaningful product, enter you know insert startup or company X here, um, there's a there's a high you get from somebody saying yes to you and yes to your mission and yes to the the product that yeah. you, you have in store like what does that what does that feel like on a on a weekly basis yeah well i mean it feels really really good when you know we would measure a few things you know whatever you measure and celebrate is what matters to you so we measure a number you know our organization would measure probably seven to eight things that are big to us so mm-hmm. what's a big deal people that raise their hand and say yes we measure that we celebrate it how many people show up to our locations and services? We measure it. We celebrate it. How many people go through growth track, which would be like our training on what we're about, our vision, our values, our standards, and our mission? Mm-hmm. We measure it. We celebrate it. Connect groups. You know, we have five, 600 people meeting in small groups. We measure it. We, so we're trying to con- – our giving, you know, I always think people are about four months behind their giving. So they might come, but they're going to check you out and see, are you still smiling? You still genuine? Mm-hmm. You, is this really real? They're about four months behind. They're gonna yeah. give something in the plate. So, but we measure it, and we celebrate it. So, I think there's a number of things in church that you kind of follow and 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 measure to see what really is conversion. Because just because somebody came to your building doesn't mean they converted. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's it's uh, I went to Michigan State. And I had a chance to interview the coach after they won the hundredth Rose Bowl. Wow! Um, and uh, the title of the episode is "Celebrate Every Win." 
And yes. you said that it's like no, like we all get to practice on time. We're celebrating. You yeah. Know, Joey got a. There's no football player named Joey. Malik. Good numbers. Uh, no. <laughs> Joey is at the end of the bench waving his towel. Exactly. No, um, I, I really went down because I was I was reading the roster of names to him. I was like, where did these names come from? That's so awesome. Um, but uh, but that was that was their thing. And so that year that they decided to celebrate every win, no matter how small, it meant they won the Rose Bowl. Like you yeah. know what I mean? So wow. Um, uh, I, I love the fact that there it's a constant celebration. Yeah. Always has to be because in church is is funky that way. How can you know if someone really consumes your product? Yeah. You know, the the way that the data I, points are very different. Very, very different. So I know someone's really consuming the product when they attend. They're giving. They're in a connect. They're, they're a part of all the systems we've created. But not everybody can live up to that standard. Or think about that, how much time that is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Look at your life. You're busy. You're going. You're moving. You got all kinds of stuff going on. Can you check every box? No way. So why would we sell? Why would we force somebody to do five things? Mm. We got to celebrate every everything is a win. Yeah. You know. Um, the show is called Innovation Crush. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Say your handle again. I got to follow that. Densonology. That is fire. D e n s o n. O L O G Y. Densonology. Study of oneself. It represents this. I, I'm trying to make it deeper than it is. Um, <laughs> I had Densinator at first. No, that's not going to work. I know. That was like my. Densonology's chat room name. Yeah, that's, that's a little 99 for me. 2000, <laughs> I mean, 1999. This one's going to work. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the vote of confidence. Um. Uh. So as you go about your days, you see, you meet a lot of people. Obviously, you're well resourced with the people who walk, in, you know, in your doors. Um. What do you see out in the world that you're personally crushing on? Like, what's what's something that's out there? It could be technology. It could be a meal you had that, that, I, that I I'm love. sorry, you haven't had a meal in a few. Yeah, few, yeah, yeah. I'm on this weeks. fast right now. It's, <laughs> I'm hungry. Thanks for bringing up my my Laura bar. Um. What what am I into right now? Like crushing right yeah, now? Yeah. Well, the fire festival. <laughs> I go back to that. Um, you know, I'm so into it, and I can have it on the fa- on the fast right now. Is backyard bowls, baby? Yeah, I can't get over how good it is. I'm gonna go have one later, probably. Oh, I read that. You backyard like, if you ever bowls. Want to have acai bowl with this Chad Beach. Backyard bowl. You never been? No. Right here off Beverly, Beverly, and I can't remember the cross, but it goes blue bottle and backyard bowls are together. They're right next door. Yeah, yeah. You go in there, you're gonna get a power bowl. Sugar-free acai. You don't need all that sugar. Sugar-free acai, house-made granola, power, going to change. Revival is going to slap you <laughs> upside your head. That's funny. I, I was, you know, I, I was, I'm from Detroit, and I was on the phone call um, with some folks, and I had ordered an acai bowl before we were on, the, and I was calling to some people in Detroit. And for some reason, I was so mad at myself that these words left my lips, but I was like, Oh man, my acai bowl is melting, and I was like, "I'm sorry, that was that was." Uh, <laughs> that you're was not so going to relate to that at all. Least Detroit statement yeah, I've ever made in my life. Yeah, Detroit uh, just just disowned you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, last but not least, uh, as you think about building and reimagining and all these things, uh, complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is. Innovation to me is copying uh, what other people have done. God gave you eyes, plagiarize, just try and adjust and make it a little bit better or a little bit more personal. So 
innovation, I, I always I always think that, you know, like for me to be innovative, come on, like I'm let's take Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. How long have people been shooting the basketball for? How long have people been shooting three pointers for? Mm-hmm. The crossover dribble? Are you kidding me? You know, like, but somehow he made it a little personal to him. Mm. And that's why he's changed the game and influenced the game is that he took it outside the box a little bit. So it's like church. People been preaching the message and singing songs on Sundays forever. Right? For quite some time. For quite some time. How do you make it innovative? You got to take what they've done and do a little a little personal touch. Mm. A little bit more different, a little bit more unique to how you see the world. Yeah. And so that's innovation to me. It's taking what other people have done and doing it a little bit more personal. I like that. And I think it goes, it's very much in line with what you said. A kind of, you alluded to this, is like finding your own voice. That's it. And there was something, another thing. You're I a, you're an echo before you're a megaphone. Right. Yeah, thank you. That's it. Yeah. Your dad also made a comment about that, what happens in your 40s, like a, where you start <laughs> to like, oh, now you know very succinctly who you are. That's it. And you can walk in that. Um, cause I think we do see those things. And I think it, it, I went through this myself is like, you're afraid to be all that you are in a sense where, mm. you know, it's like, you know, maybe you didn't want to be silly, uh, you know, uh, um, on the, cause you're, you know, you crack jokes, yeah. uh, hit or miss, like I yeah, hit or miss. You just let them fly yeah. uh, a lot of misses. But tons no. of misses, <laughs> no, an insane amount of misses. But I like you know, there's, a, a, I'm sure there was a period of time where you're like, eh, maybe, maybe, should I do that? Sure. Should I not? But then you're like, you know what? It Forget is what it. it is. Exactly. I think the older I get, the more I'm like, I'd rather be polarizing that way. Again, using the word polarizing, mm-hmm. I'd rather someone and go, someone come into our church and go, dang, I love the way that guy preaches, and have somebody walk out and go, that's the stupidest. I hated his delivery. Mm-hmm. Why does he yell? Why does he feel like he needs to tell jokes? I'd rather be polarizing that way than stay in the middle and try and please everybody. Yeah. Like, I think it's a good thing when people are like, I hated that guy's preaching. Good, because there's some people out there that's like, I love that. Right. You got to piss some, some people off. You have to. That'll be the title of this episode. Yeah. Pissing people off. Episode number 206. Pissing people off with a pass. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, spiral newspaper at the screen. Um, all right. So where can people? What's your what's your handles? Oh, I'm so you? boring. I'm such a pastor that way. Like what three four hundred thousand? I don't know. Some, yeah. uh, Instagram. I um I I had for a long time uh my name Chad with an underscore Veach. Yes. And I was like, this is not gonna work. So then I added my middle initial C. My middle name's Charles. So I am Chad C Veach. Is Ch- uh, Chad Charles? Oof, that... It's rough. Doesn't it doesn't roll off the top? No, that's why I just do the same. I'm John Christopher. It's definitely not like it's, the, yeah, the yeah. black people are like. Oh, you're John. Chris- oh, okay. oh, oh. But I'll always know when the bill collectors are calling because they're like, <laughs> "Hello, may I speak to John, please?" I'm like, "No, no, no, no. <laughs> He's indisposed." So <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, where else can people go to find out more about you and um, the, the Zoe, church? Zoe Church LA is our Instagram. Zoe Church LA and ZoeChurch.org. And by the way, I, I admitted this to Quentin earlier. Um, I only did part of the fast. Good. The long you did some? I did. I mean, I'm still doing it, but yeah. I was like, I was like, let me just not do meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And alcohol. There you go. That's good. Yeah. So I'm getting weak on the wine. At night, I'm like, I'm ready for my nightcap. Oh, me too. I'm I went in the refrigerator I'm... the other day. I was like, you know, kids were going crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, ah. like a couple more weeks. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like so day 16. I think we're through the the tough parts over. 
Yep. I'm on countdown. I'm, we're four days away. We're breaking it Sunday night. We, I got this. I think he's optimistic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush. Thank you, Chad, for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, we will talk to you next time.